Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. see you this morning. Uh, we had fun last week. We're going to have fun today. In the 1960s, I uh, exposed some of our younger folks to some real music last week. Uh, the mamas and the papas. Uh, they, uh, the ma- I didn't play it for them. That's your homework. If you don't know who they are, uh, that's your homework. In the 1960s, the mamas and the papas, uh, they re- made this recording that captured the concept of catching the case of the Mondays. Here are the profound and deep moving lyrics. When music was music. And uh, I didn't even know who the mamas and papas were. I just knew this song. Okay. Uh, Monday, Monday. You can't trust that day. Monday, Monday. Sometimes it just turns out that way. I told you these are deep, deep lyrics. Oh, on Monday morning, you gave me no warning of what was to be. Oh, Monday, Monday. How could you leave me and not take me? Every other day, here's where it gets real deep. Every other day, every other day of the week is fine. Yeah. But whenever Monday comes, but whenever Monday comes, you can find me crying all of the time. Y'all want to stop and pause? It was just so deep. that. Ever had one of those days uh, where every day seemed like a Monday? Anybody have a week of Mondays this week? I hope not. Anybody have a month of Mondays? Anybody ever had a year of Mondays? Uh, It it is just, uh, uh, see, some of you can stand up and you can testify of the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And that just seems to carry out and carry out. And everything you touch falls apart. And every time you turn around, there's trial. And every time you turn around, there's tribulation. And you just wish it would end, right? So last week we talked about Job, or if you were in the first service, Job, um, and, uh, and what we could learn from his bad days. We learned about his, his dachshunds that were killed. It was donkeys, but I kept saying dachshunds for some reason. And uh, we learned some lessons about how to deal with bad days. And I told you this week we were going to go into the New Testament. In the New Testament, uh, there's an account, and most of you are aware of this account. It's, it's a writing from Paul. Uh, Paul experienced some pretty bad days in his life and thankfully I I guess he was having one of those moments where um, it was just so overwhelming that he decided to write about it and he clued us in. Uh, You're probably familiar with Paul's laundry list of Monday experiences. It's found and you can turn there if you want. It won't be on the screen because this is not our text. I just want to remind you in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 Paul lists out most of his bad days. He misses one, and I'm going to talk about the one he misses uh, because I think it's his worst day. But let's, talk, let, let's just be reminded of some of his bad days. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says this, I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, been beaten up more times than I can count. At death's door time after time, I've been flogged five times with the Jews' 39 lashes. I've been beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times. 
and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day in hard traveling year in and year out. I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers. Good gracious, that's a bad. Struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by the desert sun and sea storms and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've been, I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather, and that's not the half of it. Great testimony, huh? And then he says, when you're thrown in the daily pressures, and then you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches. And you thought you had it rough this week. Bad days. Paul experienced them. He listed them for them for us. And, and, and here's, my, here's my dilemma. I, although he briefly mentions it encapsulated in here, he kind of just passes over it. Here's where you can see it on the screen. It's Acts chapter 27. He uh, has a really, really bad day. Here it is. Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse 13. When a gentle southerly breeze came up, they weighed anchor, thinking it would be smooth sailing. But they were, they were no sooner out to sea than a gale-force wind, the infamous northeasterner, struck. struck. They lost all control of the ship. It was a cork in the storm. The next day, out on the high seas again, and badly damaged now by the storm, we dumped the cargo overboard. The third day, the sailors lightened the ship further by throwing off all the tackle and provisions. It had been many days since we'd either seen sun or stars. Wind and waves were battering us unmercifully, and we lost all hope of rescue. On the 14th night, I'd read it like this, on the 14th Monday in a row, Adrift somewhere on the Adriatic Sea at about midnight, the sailors sensed that we were approaching land. Sounding, they measured a depth of 120 feet and shortly after that, 90 feet. And afraid that we were about to run aground, they threw out the anchors and prayed for daylight. And at daybreak, no one recognized the land, but then they did notice a, a bay with a nice beach. And they decided to try to run the ship up on the beach. They cut the anchors and loosed the tiller and raised the sail and ran before the wind towards the beach, but we didn't make it. It just gets worse. Still far from shore, we hit a reef, and the ship began to break up, and the soldiers decided to kill the prisoners so no one would, could escape by swimming. But the centurion, determined to save Paul, stopped them, and he gave orders for anyone who could swim to dive in and go for it, and for the rest to grab a plank. And everybody or everyone made it to shore safely. Once everyone was accounted for and we realized we had all made it, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. And the natives went out of their way to be friendly to us. The day was rainy and cold and we were already soaked to the bone, but they built a huge bonfire and gathered us around it. Paul pitched in and helped. And he had gathered up a bundle of sticks, but when he put it on the fire, a venomous snake, driven out by the heat, struck his hand and held on. It was Monday. Seeing the snake hanging from Paul's hand like that, the natives jumped to the conclusion that he was a murderer getting his just desserts. Paul just shook the snake off into the fire, none for the worse for the wear, and they kept expecting him to drop dead. But when it was obvious he, was, he wasn't going to, they jumped to the conclusion that he was a god. All right. On the worst day of his life, had to be, because I'm not, I'm not really revealing one of my worst fears here, I promise. 
Actually, I am. On the worst day of his life, Paul gets bitten by a snake. You don't ever have to worry about this being a snake handling church. I promise you, we will never, never, never. Uh, Okay, y'all are with me now. Uh, So here he is. He's shipwrecked. It's a bad day. And now things go go to the worst day because he goes from being shipwrecked to snake bitten. I'm going to tell you right now. Some of y'all like, it could have been worse. He could have got bit by a spider. You're out of your mind. He got bit by a snake. Snake! Okay. So let me just throw some things out to you this morning, and then I'll get out of your way. Here we, go. Here we go. Paul was just simply trying to lend a helping hand. Okay, this is not in your notes. This one's free. He's trying to lend a helping hand, and while he's trying to help somebody else, he gets bit. Okay, here's the free part. Don't aim at me too hard. Some of your toughest days in life will come when you're simply trying to help someone else. Have you ever found that to be true? Yeah, yeah. See, y'all been snake bit too. Okay, so, so here are the lessons. Just real quick, the lessons that I need you to, to, to understand from this story because we want to help you navigate the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. All right, here you go. First thing I want to say to you is this. Just because you've been bit does not mean you have to be poisoned. All right, here we go. Paul's bad day actually doesn't even make the laundry list of his worst days. Did you notice that? Did you notice that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, of all the things that he talks about, I've been beaten, I've been, I've been whipped, I've been hit with rods, I, I've been left out in the desert, I've been left out in the cold, I'm suffering the pressures of the church. With all of that, he doesn't even talk about this one. He doesn't talk about it because what you discover is that even though he got bitten, and make no mistake about it, he got bitten, he shook it off and suffered no ill effects of the bite. Okay. Paul turns what could have been the worst day into a day that doesn't even make the worst day list because he shook it off. I want to say something to you this morning that is going to be very difficult for some of you to hear, but you need to hear me this morning. Do you have your listening ears on? I'm going to say something. This is going to be like a, a gut punch to some of you, but Truth is, some of you need to be, never mind. Okay, uh, because I am convinced that many of us are poisoned not because we were bitten. Because here's the truth, y'all. We've all been bitten. Nobody survives life without being bitten by something. So here's the truth. Some of us are, are, are poisoned not because we have been bitten, but rather because we refuse to shake it off. See, the initial bite was painful. I recognize that. I've experienced that. The initial bite, the initial hit, the initial strike is extremely painful. But it wasn't life-threatening until you allow that thing to hang on. See, it, it, it would have been a surface wound. But now it's debilitating because you failed to shake it off. You've chosen to wallow in it. And as you wallow in it, the poison seeps in. See, I understand. They left. Shake it off. They walked out on you. 
shake it off. I recognize that they lied about you. They said things about you they should not have said. Shake it off. I recognize they criticized you and they wanted to poison your perspective and kill your hope. But there comes this moment where you've got to make up your mind. I'm going to shake this thing off because if I allow this thing to hang on, it will poison me. You need to shake it off. They cheated on you. They hurt you. They badmouthed you. She says, the haters are going to hate. Yeah. Yeah, what's the other one? The haters are going to hate and the players going to play. See? Deep. See, they're just as deep now as we used to be in the 60s. Listen, I'm not making light of what struck you. We've talked about that. Some of you have been stricken by unimaginable. Tragedy and pain and heartache. But just because you've been bitten doesn't mean you have to be poisoned. Some of you are starting to get it. You're starting to make personal application. Just because he left doesn't mean you have to be hateful. And just because she was mean doesn't mean you have to be mean and just because you got sick doesn't and just because you ran out of money and just because the car broke down and just because they fired you when they should not have fired you does not mean that you have to go through life and be poisoned for the rest of your life Jesus talks about this Jesus um, talks and instructs his disciples I I think he understood that there would be times in life where you just need to shake some things off. You remember when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he was giving them traveling instructions. And he said, when you go from city to city and you walk into the city, if you don't find a man of peace there, then you remember the instructions? He said, take your shoes off and shake the dust off. You recognize what he's saying is he is literally speaking to the residue that tries to attach itself to our life. Because when I go somewhere and they don't receive me, I, I like want to like, I want to throw things. I don't want to, I don't want to shake things off. But Jesus was saying, look, you just shake your shoes off and go on and keep living life and go to the next city. He's talking about the residue, the ashes. He, he knew that if you walk through life, that there was going to be things that try to hang on and attach. And if we don't shake that stuff off and get rid of it, then what Jesus realized was that stuff would attach itself to you and it would impact the rest of your entire life. Like I know some of y'all are still mad at the mechanic that cheated you 35 years ago. And when you drive by their shop, it's all you can do. And now you're trying to pass the poison down to your kids. Because every time you go by, you go, yeah, in 1962, I took my car to him. And 
just because you're bit doesn't mean you have to be poisoned. Jesus said you've got to shake all that stuff off and keep walking. Well, that's Kelsey's story. Come on, Kelsey. This is Kelsey Crownover. This is, uh, this is Keith and Lynn Crownover's youngest daughter. She's been in Kansas at a place called Victory House, and she's going to tell you her journey a little bit and show you how it is possible to shake stuff off and not become poisoned. At 14 years old, I was convinced that I was a burden. I hated myself. My life was soon consumed with self-mutilation, smoking, and ditching school. I felt completely alone. My family was physically there, but I closed myself off from them. I isolated myself completely. I didn't think that I was worth it. I didn't think that my words even mattered. At six years old, I experienced a traumatic event that changed my life forever. I don't remember what happened, but I do remember the after effects. I remember the fear and the sadness. I remember having panic attacks at night because I was so afraid. I didn't talk anymore, and I was so scared of being separated from my parents. And this was how I lived my life for several years. When I went to high school, things got pretty bad. It seemed as if my family was falling apart. My parents separated, and my daddy moved out, and it seemed as if he was taking a part of my heart with him. Cutting got deeper as I got even more alone. Searching for acceptance, I looked to friends who weren't actually friends people who smoked and drank and partied. So I started doing what they did. Um, I dated boys one after another just so I could get love and acceptance from them because I didn't think that I was getting it from anywhere else and I didn't know where else to turn. Cutting was constant now. I took the blade and I cut as deep as I could until there was a pool of blood on the ground. I didn't even stop to think about who I was hurting. I was completely addicted. Cutting was my belief. One day, I saw a bottle of pills. And I just kept thinking, who would care? Would anybody even notice if I was gone? Would it really actually matter if I was dead? One pill after another turned into 1,000 milligrams of Prozac in my system. It didn't feel real. It didn't feel like at any moment that I could die. But home alone, I should have been dead. A good friend of mine knew what was going on at the time, so he called my mom. I was rushed to the hospital. It didn't seem like I was in any real danger until the seizures came. I was transferred to ICU and blacked out. But I 
was alive. One month later, I was admitted into Teen Challenge. I wanted to change. I was ready for that change, but I didn't think that I could do it. I didn't know what it would take to get there. I didn't know if there was any possible way to get there. And honestly, I couldn't do it, not by myself. I needed that help, but not just from other people. More importantly, I needed it from God. I needed God's help to get back to where I needed to be. My God has shown me that I am never alone because he has said that he will never leave me. And I must find my worth in him, not from other people. He has said that I am a child of the one true king and I am worth it. Since being at Teen Challenge, my family and I have grown closer together. And now I look up to my parents because they have a healthy relationship and they focus on Christ. And I finally realized how blessed I am to have the parents I have. Because never once did they give up on me. They loved me through it all. God has set me free from my cutting addiction, and I have been over a year without one cut on my body. I don't have to be labeled as a cutter or suicidal because I am a new creation in Christ and he has broken my chains. I don't have to worry if someone hands me a razor or a knife or scissors and nobody has to worry about if I hurt myself or not and what I'm doing behind closed doors. I know that I've gone through these hard times so that I can help someone else in my life. And God is going to use me through the things that I've been through, the things that I've done. And even though I did those things and said those things that I regret, God still loves me no matter what. And he has been waiting for me with open arms. And I can always run back to him. I know that God has a purpose and a plan for my life. Because when I was struggling, he helped me through it. When I was cutting so deep, he protected me enough not to bleed out. When I was on my deathbed, he saved me. I am not worthless. I am a child of the one true king. Kelsey's here because she's coming home. Is it May? In May. And we'll be attending Southwestern Christian University. <clears throat> and we'll be a part of this body and we welcome her. See, what Kelsey's story and what Paul's story teaches us is simply this. There are some things that fall off, but there are some things that you must shake off. Have you, have you gone through life and realized that there are some people that come into your life or some bad experiences that come into your life and you simply, they just seem to bounce off? No problem. But then there are other times and situations where it's deeper than that. And these people and these things, they try to hang on and stay attached. I think we allow that sometimes, but it happens. They, they literally try to suck the life out of us and inject poison. And I think what these stories teach us is that there's this moment in life where you've got to take, 
the time to identify the things that have tried to attach themselves to you. Is it an attitude? Is it a relationship? Is it a hurt? Is it a grudge? Is it, is it a prejudice? Is it a fear? Is it an, an, an addiction? You have to identify those things, and then here's the deal. You've got to be willing to take the steps necessary. There are steps that are necessary. You say, well, I'm just waiting on God, and God's waiting on you. There are steps that we must take to forcefully and intentionally shake off what, if we leave hanging around, will destroy us. One of these steps that I believe is crucial is this. I believe that, like Paul, we need to be so full of the Holy Spirit that the attacks and the bites of the enemy can be shaken off. That's why Paul had the ability to endure what he endured was he became so full of Jesus and so full of the Holy Spirit that all this stuff that would have seemed to normally killed somebody, he just shook it off. Did it hurt? Yes. You don't think being snake bit hurts? Yeah, it hurts. But he shook it off. And what I want to say to you this morning is that for many of you, I know your stories. And some of you, are, your story is more about the hurt than it is the freedom that you've received. And what I want you to do is I want you to flip the script this morning. And I want you to understand that, Je that Jesus did come to save you from your sins. But the Bible declares that in Luke, he stood up and he said, not only did I come to save you, I came to with the power and the authority to set the captives or the snake bit, if you will. I came, I came to set them free and to make you whole. Everywhere Jesus went, he made people whole. Not just saved, whole. And so we want to encourage you this morning that I need to remind you that Jesus is described in the Old Testament as the bomb of Gilead. He is the one that has this ability to pull the poison out of your life. Some of you can't get whole because you're poisoned. And what Jesus wants to do this morning for you is what he's doing for Kelsey and so many others. Is he doesn't just want to save you. He wants to pull out all the poison and let you shake some things off so that you can walk into freedom. How do you do that? Well, I think the first step is you've got to admit that there was a bite that took place in the first place because here's the truth. Most of us know you've been bit, but you won't admit it. Ever met those kind of people? You know they're messed up, but they won't admit they're messed up. You know they're hurt, but they won't admit they're hurt. They're just too strong. And what I just sense that the Holy Spirit's trying to get us to do this morning is to come to grips with the fact that, yeah, we've been bit, but we make up our mind once and for all, we don't have to be poisoned anymore. Let me pray over you, and then we're going to introduce you to some more folks this morning. Father, this morning, my prayer is that through this time together, you would bring us to a place where we would be honest with you and with ourselves. God, I know that there are folks in this room that have suffered a severe bite. God, there are some folks in this room that have experienced the worst day. It is the worst day. We do not diminish that fact. It was a bad day. But God, we continue to watch as they walk through life and they seem to be poisoned. And what happened to them poisons their judgment. It poisons their attitude. It poisons their countenance. It poisons their relationships. And this morning, I pray that you would step in once and for all and make us whole. God, without 
drawn this thing out. I just pray right now that we would have a come to Jesus moment in our own heart. And we would be truthful and honest with you. And we would admit that we have been bitten and what took place does hurt. And what does what has taken place in my life was brutal and it tried to inject poison. But God, I pray this morning I would also come to the place where I would allow the Holy Spirit to rise up in me. And I would begin to shake off the pain and shake off the bitterness and shake off the anger and the prejudice and the addictions and anything else in life that is trying to steal what you came to give me. I pray that you would accomplish that in our midst today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you do this with me? I know I'm corny, but would you just take your hands and do this? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.